Hey, welcome to the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. Where we're going to attempt to bring the Lordship of Jesus Christ to every little detail of our lives. And we're going to do it again this week by highlighting a couple of things. We want to talk about this massive victory we had in the Supreme Court for religious liberty uh, for a little bit. And just why that is so, so important to all of us who love the Lord and who want to express our faith in the public arena. And then we want to transition into the tremendous response we had from our last podcast with uh, Hotam Torres, a uh, business owner, and uh, talk about our ministry market share that was getting ready to, to launch in 2021 in January. So we'll give you some dates and times for that. Uh, but hey, let's start. We had massive victory, Supreme Court, yeah, religious liberty victory. Kind of. Let's talk a little bit about the... Uh, the backdrop of that case, uh, why it went to the Supreme Court, and then we'll talk about the impact of it because it's it's huge. Sure, I mean the summary is basically you know uh, a couple of religious institution, a Jewish and a Catholic institution, basically sue the governor of New York, uh, Andrew Cuomo, uh, because they felt like they were treated unfairly. Um, basically, uh, the governor has restricted, has basically little to no restriction on certain businesses, right. secular business but has some really, really tight restrictions on religious gatherings. In fact, the, the governor, and of course this is an epicenter of liberalism in New York, but the governor took it under his power to create four different colored zones uh, that had to do with their level of essentiality, I guess, right. and uh, how essential they were to the ongoing work of the city and so forth. Right. Uh, and of course, the churches got the short stick. Yeah. Um, churches, synagogues, etc., cetera, uh, had heavy restrictions, right. and other places, as we'll see, had uh, lesser restrictions. And I know you and I are both reading uh, uh, Gorsuch's uh, opinion. Yeah. Well, on the night of Thanksgiving Eve, the decision came out, uh, basically, it's a 5-4 decision, barely, barely, which to yeah. me is crazy, that's yeah. barely, uh, it's a 5-4 decision win for the religious institutions, and, you know, and that's a big win, because, you know, for you and I, for the longest time, to me, this is, this is like, this is not rocket science decision, the right to... Uh, liquor stores or do your taxes or whatever are not rights guaranteed in the Constitution. Whereas the First Amendment guarantee the right to religious liberty right. in the Constitution, in the First Amendment. Right. So, so, so these are spelled out in, in our foundational documents. The Constitution of the United States yeah. uh, is very clear about religious liberty, whereas some of these other things might be considered gray. Yeah. You know, but, but what we talked about was, and this was part of Gorsuch's argument, you know, in the early days of the pandemic, um, you know, it, it was a lot of questions. And so we understand that government's taking a very aggressive approach, wanting to be ultra-cautious and ultra-conservative. Um, but as Gorsuch said, as we're now six, eight months into this situation, that same rationale no longer applies. And we've right. tried to make a case here that our legislatures, our state legislatures, need to be starting to weigh in on this now, and that we should be shutting down uh, the executive branch's, you know, supposed right under crisis situations uh, to dictate policies almost unilaterally and single-handedly. Uh, it's time that we get the voice of the people to be heard. And, um, and so, you know, when you're looking at a situation like New York City, they're telling churches, synagogues, et cetera, that you can only have 10 people. Now, this was even under social distancing, wearing masks. Yeah, I mean, the most strict... You know, environmental they have more, conditions. more uh, those those um, 
uh, criterias and qualification and social distancing masks than even secular businesses, but right. it didn't matter. Right, it didn't you know, matter. They, these are synagogues or, or Catholic churches that could host hundreds and not thousands of people and you're limited to 10 to 25 people, whereas businesses are limited to 50% capacity, which is completely right. different. Right? Well, at the same time in other situations, not this Supreme right. Court case, but they mentioned, for instance, in Nevada, you could go to casinos, right. but you're not allowed to go to church. Right. Or in California, you're able to go to marijuana dispensaries, or you're able to go to strip clubs, uh, but you're not able to go to church. So these are things that every single believer should be up in arms about, every, everybody that cares about religious liberty. And, uh, and again, we're, we're grateful that we have a, a way to you know, petition our grievances here and bring them before the courts. And in this situation, again, you know, I think that the profound thing is, is, is uh, elections and consequences. You know, President Trump has been able to appoint three Supreme Court justices. All three of those Supreme yeah. Court justices were on the side of religious yeah. liberty. If it weren't for one of them, so for example, before Amy Comey uh, Barrett. Barrett was yeah. uh, came onto the bench, they were locked in 4-4. And that's why uh, religious liberty essentially lost in the state of, I think that might be Nevada case, was was four four, so they went back to an uh, inferior court, which ruled against the religious organization. Yep. And so AC uh, Amy Coney Barrett, when she, her nomination to the bench makes all the difference. Absolutely. So don't say elections don't have consequences to religious liberty. Absolutely, this is a very clear cut case. And right now, just to bring it home, I mean, uh, our uh, U.S. Senate balance is hanging uh, by a thread. Uh, in terms of what's going on in the state of Georgia. Yeah. And of course, the Senate is important because the Senate is the one that confirms the Supreme Court nominees. And so if we don't have a Senate that loves religious liberty and a Senate that appreciates our Constitution, uh, then we're, you know, we have our, our liberties at stake sure. again. So yeah. this was huge. But read a couple of Gorsuch's yeah, comments because they were very colorful. I, I think a couple issues here is if you don't, if you don't believe the Constitution is currently under attack, Okay, and not just the Constitution. If you don't believe the religious liberty of our nation is under attack, and for, you know this is we, you and I have been talking about that for a long time. But this Over is the decade. Supreme Court justices mm -hmm. uh, are are using this as a very clear um, venue to share this point. I mean, he basically mentioned one thing. He said is even the Constitution has taken a holiday during this pandemic. It cannot become a sabbatical. Rather than applying a non-binding spire concurrence from South Bay, a different court case. Courts must resume applying the free exercise free exercise clause. That's the First Amendment, exercise of religion. Today, majority court make this plain. In other words, the Constitution might have taken a short break, but he's right. saying it, it cannot be continued. Not a sabbatical. Not a sabbatical. I thought it was a good way to put it. When the pandemic first happened, we have no clue, no idea what to expect. After months and months and months, he's like, okay, the Constitution is still the king. Yeah. The Constitution still should rule in this case. And that was huge because otherwise we just go mm -hmm. on, uh, you know, for for uh, who knows how long yeah. uh, with our constitutional liberties suspended. Yeah. Next thing you know, we are and, no and, longer and, republic. And just to be clear, that's part of why we do this podcast talking about Christian worldview. We, we're in a civil war over the heart of this nation right now and over the direction of this nation. These are very troubling times, very concerning times. We need to keep praying, even, even as this current election is contested on the basis of, of uh, severe fraud. Uh, all that's going to be going to the courts. So don't let the media fool you into thinking this thing is over. Um, but our nation is under severe attack right now, and I want you to see the heart of it is a worldview issue. People who, uh, like Cuomo, who have very little use for uh, religion or very little appreciation for Christ and his church, 
that's where they begin to dictate what's essential, what's not essential. And I love it. I got another article here from, from Albert Moeller, who said basically what I've been saying for weeks now, that the government has absolutely zero business in determining what is essential or not essential, especially as it relates to the church. In fact, their opinion is not even asked for, it's not even necessary, right. it's not even wanted. Uh, I could care less what the government thinks about how essential our church is. That's none of their business. We're the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're under the government of the kingdom of God. And, um, and when governments start telling us what's important, what's not important, in fact, that was one quote I want you to read, Andrew, if you can pull it up real quick, the quote about um, convenient for secular, oh, right, you know, right. secularism. You know, all, all, that, all that these secularist governors are doing are opening places that they're either their cronies run, places that lobbyists have come to them and, and uh, encourage them to call these places essential because usually there's some money uh, attached to that. Uh, I mean, they, they create what is essentially a, a secularist a utopia. So all their essential needs are met, but the churches and other things like that are shut down. And I want you to read Gorsuch's yeah. comment because it was right on. Yeah, as it turns out, the business that government, uh, the governors consider essential includes hardware stores, acupuncturists, liquor stores, bicycle shops, certain signage companies, accountants, lawyers, insurance agents are essential too. So at least according to the governor, it may be unsafe to go to church, but it's always fine to pick up another bottle of wine, shop for a new bike, or spend the afternoon exploring your distal points and meridians. I guess that's the acupuncture. I'm not <laughs> acupuncture fine fine-tuned yeah. points there. He said, Who knew public health was so perfectly aligned with secular convenience? He continues later, he says, Indeed, the governor's remarkably frank about this. In his judgment, laundry and liquor and travel and tools are all essential, while traditional religious exercises are not. This is exactly the kind of discrimination the First Amendment forbids. Okay? <laughs> First Amendment was written exactly for Governor Kumlo in this exact situation. To keep and that's them what in their place, to stay in their lanes, yep. and not to be jumping into the yep. realm of the church and, and trampling our liberties. And, and he starts this, this uh, uh, argument, this um, statement, by saying government is not free to disregard the First Amendment in time of crisis. Yeah. And that's what we got to understand. The time of crisis, Constitution is still yeah. there. And I, I always use the, the little quote marks when I'm talking about this pandemic because uh, the government has really labored uh, to make this into a crisis uh, on, on, on the level of like World War II kind of uh, uh, crisis. And I want to keep reminding everybody that's watching, we're not saying that that uh, uh, this flu is not serious or that people, you know, we shouldn't take it seriously. That's not the message. The message is, is simply this. 99.9% of people who contract this, uh, this flu bug will recover just like other flu bugs. This flu bug is no different in that regard other than that uh, it seems to be uh, more contagious than perhaps others, but it is certainly not uh, claiming more lives, and we need to keep reminding people that. This has been largely a manufactured crisis uh, by which secularist governments have come in and trampled the liberties, uh, constitutional liberties of so many people. So we, we need to be pushing back. We need to be pushing back to get our economy open. We need to be pushing back to get our schools open, and we need to be pushing back, especially for our small business owners who have been hit the hardest uh, during this time. And in fact, perhaps that's why our, our episode of our last podcast received so many views and so many great comments uh, is because we talked about 
why the church needs to be a shelter and people who love religious liberty need to be rallying around our small business owners right now who are, whose rights to go out and make a living and provide for their families have been seriously trampled during this you know, pandemic. Again, when we pick winners and losers and essentials and non-essentials, and you see the hypocrisy in this. Uh, uh, and so we need, we need to be coming alongside. And that's really something we shared last episode was was uh, why we need to allow in the church a place where we can equip our business owners with a kingdom perspective and help them understand the, the vital importance of seeing what they do uh, as, you know, from nine to five as their calling and as an essential part of their life ministry. And so let's talk a little bit about that because I well, know this just, is a question a, in your a, heart too. Yeah, I have a quick point on that. You know, in, in the middle of this pandemic, if you look at who's been devastated, it's the small business owners. Mm-hmm. Who's made tons of money? It's the large corporations, your Amazons, your Walmarts, your, yeah. your shipping delivery, who, ha, who has the, who has all these delivery vehicles to all these different things. And like, can you really find anyone who says, you know what, it's great for our country when these mega corporations make so much money and all well, these small businesses go out of business. That's right. And not just the mega corporation, but we mentioned last week too, if you put the word public in front of anything, they're doing very well. Yeah. Anybody that's receiving money from the public trough, which is the the small business owners carrying the large part of paying their taxes so that, you know, uh, government workers, uh, public school workers, universities, all of these folks are still getting paid through this pandemic. And sometimes our media, you know, they're yeah. getting paid. They're, the people that are trumpeting lockdowns the, the loudest are people sure. whose livelihoods are not being impacted at all. Yeah, so I mean, do we really want all these small businesses to basically die off and then have these mega corporations basically filling all the all the all the all the holes for these no, small businesses? We don't no, that. that's not good for our society. That's not <laughs> no, good for no, no, our no. culture. So these are all things to to be considered as we look at the pandemic and look at what's actually happening in our economy. Anyways, but going back to um, market share and what we're looking to establish yeah. in yeah, the whole, the whole basis for this for this podcast is that we want to bring the kingdom, which is what Jesus preached, the kingdom yeah. of God, into every area of our lives. And unfortunately, uh, I'll speak as a pastor. Uh, in many churches growing up, you might have gone to a church that taught you that it, there was a kind of a hierarchy of spirituality. The really zealots would go to the mission field. And then the ones that, mm-hmm. that were spiritually mature and sensitive they might have a calling on their lives to be a pastor. And then you got the folks that are just your normal, you know, everyday kind of average spiritual folks. They would go to work every day. Yeah. And then if you were really a pagan, you might get into <laughs> politics. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, if or you be had, a lawyer. Yeah, you, yeah. Know, you got no morals at all, you know. Um, but I, and I'm and obviously I'm joking about that. Yeah. But 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 it, you know, politics was viewed as kind of secular and dirty right. and and Law, you know, and, yeah, you and, know, then, and then the rest right. of the normal folks, which is probably 95% of the people out there, are getting up and going to work every right. day. And somehow we communicated this two-class system of the sacred folks, the fake folks with a real calling, and then just the regular run-of-the-mill people, right. kind of second-class citizens at church. And and the mistake that, that has largely happened in the church is we failed to communicate that what you do uh, nine to five, 40 or more hours a week is exactly your call. In fact, we talked about this. We'll have people come to us as pastors and say, hey, pastor, you know, 
you know, where, where can I serve at church? I want to find my ministry in the church. And so you got this guy that's the CEO. He runs a multi-million dollar corporation. And we have him, you know, being As a, a greeter, greeter right. or, you know, waving at people in the parking lot. I which mean, is fine, which is great. We want that. But that's that's probably not his primary call. No, no, yeah. no, no, not at all. And not to, not to denigrate right. the fact that we need happy, wonderful people Absolutely. greeting at the door. But the point is this. We fail to communicate that what this person does throughout their week is essential and it's part of their calling and it's where Jesus wants to be manifested right. and wants to be expressed and really that what the church should be doing is helping you understand who you are, the gifts that you have, and how you can connect the dots between the anointing and the calling of God on your life, which is just as powerful as the anointing on my life or any pastor's life, and to begin to manifest the kingdom of God and fruitfulness in your nine to five you yeah, know, workplace. And I will just kind of interject on that. That way of falsely... Um separating between the sacred the sacred calling versus the secular calling which is the false dichotomy is what produced the culture we have today in which in which uh the kingdom of god has largely uh left is void in entertainment or in news or, or in politics or in business government and business is because we say hey if you're holy you're going to be in the church you know and then we kind of just we basically have ignore all these different industries and then they've been taken over by secularism and we're, we're wondering why it's yeah. because the church has not said hey you know what your ministry is your work and just to connect the dot here too this is why the first amendment and what we just talked about religious liberty is critical because if you are going to express your calling as a marketplace leader you need to know that the Constitution gives you the freedom to talk about Jesus, to share your faith, to bring the gospel into the marketplace. And if yeah. you do not have the religious liberty to do that, your ministry is effectively shut down uh, throughout Absolutely. the week. And, that, and that's huge. And I just wanted to highlight something, Pastor Andrew, You know, because when you, when you look at Jesus and, and the whole movement of Christianity, the early church, the, the, the men that Jesus gathered around himself to disciple, yeah. There's not a clergy among them no, anywhere. That's a good point. There, there's yeah. no there's no religious folks. There's right. no religious class among them. In fact, I just want to highlight a few things. Matthew received his call while he was sitting at a tax collector booth. Right. I mean, Matthew was a, a tax guy. Um and, like an accountant. His yeah, yeah. So, and, and he was despised. I mean, talk about it. Talk about a profession that the religious people hated. Yeah. He was a despised tax collector. You look at James and John. What were they doing? They were running a fishing company. <laughs> right. They were fishermen. They were out. They spent their days at, uh, out on the water. Uh, collect, uh, you know, fishing. It was a, it was a, a hard working job. It was a family owned business. Look at Luke. What it was Luke? He was a medical doctor. And so here you have somebody uh, that was trained as a physician that Jesus called into ministry. In fact, it's interesting that the only person that even comes close to having any kind of professional clergy pedigree is the Apostle Paul, and even he ran a tent-making business yeah, on the side. Absolutely. So what I want you to see is the people Jesus gathered around him to trained to disciple uh, in kingdom ways. We're very much marketplace people. And, and the other thing I love to highlight, when you read the book of Acts, and, you, and you know, we like to go back to the book of Acts, right? Because that was the early church in action. And you see the move of God, people being saved, signs and wonders. In fact, isn't it interesting? Who is, who is the church? Uh, who's the person that Jesus providentially chose to launch the church? 
It was Peter when he preached there on the day of Pentecost and, and the church was birthed. But who was Peter? Peter was a fisherman. Yeah. Uh, he was not a professional clergyman. So back to the book of Acts, after you see the church birth and, and then we read about the rapid expansion of the gospel and the signs and the wonders that were happening. Uh, I read, and this is kind of an interesting stat, uh, out of the 40 signs and wonders that took place in the book of Acts, only one of them took place in a religious setting. Uh, so that means 39 of the 40 miracles that took place in the book of Acts happened out of the marketplace. It was where people were gathering in the, you know, for, to do the business, to, to buy, to sell. That's where the gospel was, was most potent. Yeah. Uh, and it really should speak to us today that maybe our strategy is wrong. If we think that, that our job is just to get everybody to come to church on Sunday, that that's where all the action is going to happen, I think we're missing the fact that most people don't work in the church. They don't spend 40 hours a week in the church. Your life is spent out there. And what we want to encourage you and help train you and equip you for is to realize that the power of the Holy Spirit wants to flow through you right out there where you work, to lay hands on people, to pray for people, to help people who are oppressed, to lead people to Jesus Christ, just to love people with the goodness of the gospel. Uh, and to see your ministry, not primarily happening in the four walls of your church, but happening right out there where you work as a business owner or, or wherever you're spending your week that's where the action needs to be happening right absolutely and you know we've been at least i've been harping on the idea of, of the gospel of just simply evangelism versus the gospel of ushering god's kingdom mm -hmm. you know again if you look at the scripture look look at jesus from what jesus said through that fresh perspective of his kingdom you realize when jesus was preaching he's telling you what his kingdom means he's telling you the culture of his yep. kingdom he's telling you what his kingdom looks like because the kingdom is is, is so indescribable indescribable describable so wonderful that he used different stories analogies yep. to give you what that kingdom looks like so our job is to usher in his kingdom okay and our best way to usher in his kingdom is through our gifting through our calling through what we yep. do 40, 50, 60, 70 hours a week, not what we necessarily do just from a couple yeah. hours on Sunday morning or, or Friday night or Wednesday night, but every day of our lives. That's you know? good. And I, I want to talk about two extremes that you and I talked about. Yeah. The one I just shared, the one is the, the, the hierarchy of, you know, you and I are spiritual now because we have a job at a church, but yeah. everybody else is secular. They work a secular job. Well, that's a lie. You know, everything we do, we do for the glory of God. The other thing, though, that we've seen that we have to watch with marketplace people is if you run your own company or you're just invested in your job as you should be, it's your calling, um, you can easily turn that into an idol. And I like to remind people, you know, that the first day of the week is not Monday. That's a secular view of reality. The first day of the week is Sunday. Sunday is when we come together to worship. In fact, the Lord says, give me your first day. Don't work on your first day. Don't turn your, your don't be a workaholic. Give me your first day, and I'm going to bless the remaining six days. Mm. Um, bring to me your offering on day one. That means at the beginning of the week, your, your tithes and offerings aren't the leftover of what you have left after your busy life or whatever. The tithes and offerings are what you bring on day one. You set it apart. You give it to the Lord in faith, and then God blesses the next six days of your work. And so you can see the two extremes. The one says... All you are, all you exist for is to go to church uh, and, uh, and, and, and you're really kind of a second-class citizen. 
The other one says, no, I don't really need the church, and I'm going to go spend all my time focusing on my calling, running my business, you know, making money, whatever the situation is. Both of those are, are false uh, pictures of what we're talking about. You know, the church gathered together in the book of Acts on the first day of the week, which was called the Lord's Day. It was the day of the resurrection. Yeah. They gathered together on the first day. But then they also met in their homes and ministered in their businesses throughout the week. So you see both of them coming together. And that's really what we're after here at Living Stones is a, a beautiful hand-in-glove approach to the marketplace where you come to church to be equipped and inspired and to grow and to be discipled and to help your marriage and to help your family and to help you become free so you can bring the kingdom into the marketplace. But really, the multiplication of the kingdom happens out there, Yeah, not so much here. Yeah, I, I love what you and I talked about earlier is we're not here. Uh, when you come to church, we're not here to say, well, I'm going to give you a job. So so you're not a, you're not just a, a tool for us to use in the church. Right. Now, I, Courtney, are volunteers, <laughs> we and need, <laughs> we, need, we need people helping, and we want people to serve in the church. I, get, I mean, all that's good stuff, so I'm not diminishing that. That is one aspect, but that yeah. is not the main aspect. And everybody should serve in the should church. Should serve in the church to a certain degree, but the main, so, but that's a side point. The main point is we want to look at you and say, how can we help you grow? How can we help you fulfill your calling? How can we help refine what you're doing from Monday to, to Friday so that you are, uh, you are an ambassador for God's kingdom every day of the week? That should be your main yeah. call, your main, vi main vision, and overflow of that is serving the church, become a greeter, helping children ministry, all these different things. Well, and I, I look at my dad, you know, when he was a public school teacher and yeah. coach. He would lead teachers to the Lord. He would lead students to the Lord. And then the church became the hospital. Yeah. Uh, that was a mission field. The church became the hospital. So, for instance, many of the people he led to the Lord in the public schools had marriage problems. Mm -hmm. So that's when they come to church. Why they come to church? Because that's where they would be able to be equipped in how to have a, a healthy marriage. Or someone you might lead to the Lord's maybe having a, a, a trouble with a hurt, a hang-up, something like that. Well, that's why we have Celebrate Recovery. Or people came out of a lifestyle where they were uh, didn't have a lot of godly friends, right? They spent their, their, their social life was spent with people who were doing ungodly things. And so they need a new social life. Yep. Well, they need to be part of a life group. Yep. They need to come. They need to get plugged in. They need to build a new social life that centers around Jesus. That's where the church and the, and the marketplace go hand in glove. One is meant to support and strengthen the other. Uh, and, and that's really our vision here at Living Stones. Yeah. And, and this is an interesting journey for me because I grew up in the church. I'm a pastor's kid, you know. Uh, I didn't want to become a pastor. You know, like when I came out to Indiana, I worked in, in yeah. the public school for 10 years. Yep. You know, and, and I, I ministered to the church, but but the Lord, and I work in an environment that was very difficult for me in terms of my personality. I worked in the alternative school in Crown Point. And what I found was God is keep using this environment to mold me and shake me. And, and, and I, I kept trying to find a different job. And God says, no, stay at this job because this is your assignment. Yeah. And, and the thing is, when I came onto staff and became a pastor, it wasn't like something magical happened. All of a sudden, I developed super spiritual power. No, I was the same guy I was back in the alternative school. The ministry I did in the alternative school became the ministry I did at, at, at church. It's the same. I'm the same person. Because the same, you're, you're the same person because God created you with a certain skill set and gifts yeah. that wherever, whatever environment that you're in, you use them for the glory of God. Well, it's interesting because 
while I was, you know, at the alternative school, I engaged with different businesses. I even applied for law school at one point. Well, I didn't apply. I took the LSAT. That was an interesting experience. I did you know, too. Yeah. So, so <laughs> we could have become attorneys. That's, that's our justice. Yeah. Passion. I mean, yeah. And you know, like I made fun of the attorneys earlier, but for me, like you, we need godly attorneys. We need attorneys who 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 are exercising justice for for for, for God's purpose. But anyways, in my own life, and I, I I develop a couple different small business on the side. You know, because I want to learn what business. I, I realize there is such great anointing that flows through small business. You're able to create income. You're able to create job. What a great vehicle for discipleship. Yep. You know, um, I mean, you might not call it that, but to 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 pour and grow your employees, to yep. love and care for them in in an environment that's different from the church. You know, I I, I start to recognize, wow, man, God's kingdom yeah. should be fully can be fully come to fruition through the marketplace yeah. instead of just and we're in the church. Be talking about that in our market share ministry, how you know, j- just how you see and care for your staff or people that you are, that are your employees, how you love them, people that you uh, supervise. Uh, so much of this is just caring for people's souls, which is really pastoring people. Yeah. You're just doing it in the marketplace. Uh, and how effective that is when people know that they're loved and they're cared for, how uh, they begin to open their heart to you uh, and allow you to minister the gospel and truth to them. Yeah, and can I just share yeah. this quick story? Uh, I went to Kingdom of Work. This is a, a workshop in Texas, Lubbock, Texas, that we want to encourage our market yeah. share people to go to in April, in April. But, you know, I was talking, I was meeting with uh, the CEO of their home building business and, and just speaking with this guy, and I know people pretty well. I've talked to people, you know, I talked to a lot of people. I just sense, you know, for a young man, he's probably younger than me, um, he has such a depth and brokenness and transparency and, and spiritual maturity. And I just asked, I said, you know, I don't normally see this in CEOs or business guys right. so much. Like, how did you cultivate this degree of maturity? And he says, you know, I cultivate it because I work on it 40, 50 hours a week. Part of my job, part of our development, what we do at work is we work on this. You know, whereas you're in the church for, you know, most people go to church for, you know, two, one, two, one, two hours on Sundays, and then they maybe attend life group a couple hours. Right. You know, again, those are all great things, and we obviously want to encourage people to do those different things. But just hour by hour, just think about you. If you're cultivating your spiritual growth, not just a few hours a week, but 40, 50 hours a week as part of your everyday practice. It's kind of like, you know, people only cultivate their relationship with God only on Sunday morning. Like, right. We tell people, you got to spend time with the Lord on your own. Every day, you got to get up. You got to get get into the Word. You got to pray. Yep. Imagine they, people don't do that. They only do that on Sunday morning. They're not really going to grow. Right, that's that's just yeah. just hourly. That's Absolutely. not going to work out. But imagine you're you're proactively growing and cultivating your spiritual walk through every day, through what you do every day of your work. How much more quickly can you grow and be cultivated? Because what we're looking for, and this is huge, not an event, but a lifestyle. A lifestyle. Yes. Sometimes people view church as an event when really church is just part of facilitating a lifestyle of loving Jesus and loving people and wanting to grow and pursue him and then wanting to share that love and passion for Christ with other people that you come in contact with everywhere uh, in the marketplace. And so uh, just, I think, a great way to wrap up today as I want to talk about just a continuum of where we want to see you move, you know, as believers here, marketplace leaders, uh, a continuum of, of movement from 
from a minimum engagement to maximum engagement in the marketplace. First thing is, many times people say, well, I'm a Christian, but when they go to work, there's nothing Christian about anything about work. It's, it's very compartmentalized. Yeah. So you're just a Christian with a body who happens to show up at work. Right. Uh, but there's you might no, have a Christian verse on the wall. Yeah, right? Or I go to church, or, yeah. or yeah, I'm not a Buddhist, so I'm a, I'm a Christian. I must be a Christian. Yeah. Um, but that's a very minimalist approach. In fact, there's zero integration between your faith and your calling. Second uh, level is when you actually apply some biblical principles to the marketplace. In other words, you're going to operate with integrity. You're going to love people. You're going to work hard. You're going to show up on time. You know, you're going to take biblical principles and begin to connect the dots. Yeah. So people actually can tell, hey, something different about Andrew, you know. I love the way he works hard. I love how honest he is. I love how kind he is. Right. Um, in other words, you're going to consciously try to connect the dots between biblical principles and your conduct yeah, you in the marketplace. You're consciously ushering the kingdom of God yes. through your sphere of influence. Uh, amen. Yeah. And the third point, mm -hmm. we take it up another notch. Mm -hmm. Now you're not just showing up and acting like a Christian at work but you're really wanting to see the power of the Holy Spirit released in your life and through your life. That means you're praying, you're, you're, you're listening to the Holy Spirit, you're being led by the Lord, you're, 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 you're letting the Holy Spirit energize uh, your operation in the marketplace, which is powerful. So now it becomes a place of ministry. Yeah. And getting people to move from just being, showing up to work on time to being a nice guy to letting the Holy Spirit really move through you and impact people yeah. uh, is a huge jump. Oh, that's huge. Why that's why just to let you all know, yeah. we're going to be moving into a series too after this series on, on oh, core values yeah. tribes. Yeah. We're going to be talking about how to hear and how to listen to the voice of the Holy yeah, Spirit. And this is a huge move. And if you, if you really think about this, really like pretty common sense, right, for God's people to actually know God's voice, right? The yeah, Bible absolutely. talks about that quite a bit. But, but just to engage in the work in a way that you're actually daily practicing. People come to me all the time. It's like, how do I know, how do I know the voice of God? Well, you got to practice it. Imagine you're practicing every day at work. Instead of just listening to your strategist or your CFO, yeah. you're actually listening to the, the voice of God, the Holy, practicing the voice of the Holy Spirit. Uh, to actually make your day-to-day -day financial transaction or sure. business decisions. At that point, you're really saying, Lord, I exist here. I'm at work for your glory. Yeah. Move through me. And you ask this question, Holy Spirit, what are you doing here in the marketplace today? Yeah. You know, What are you doing? Because the Holy Spirit is always wanting to touch people, always wanting to help people. So you begin to ask that question, Lord, what are you doing and how do you want me to be a part of what you're doing? And then you get moved to the, to the level four, all right? This is when you are committed to being an agent of transformation. So now you're saying, if Jesus were CEO of this company, or maybe you're not the CEO, uh, but say you're the owner. So if Jesus is the owner of this company, what needs to change? Or maybe you're a manager of a certain division of your company. Basically, whatever your sphere of influence, you need to be asking, if Jesus Christ were leading my area, what kind of transformation needs to happen? Um, what kind of policies need to be changed? How do we need to treat people differently? Um, how does this business operate from a kingdom perspective? If Jesus were running this business, what would it look like? That's, no, that's a pretty good. profound question. Yeah, that's absolutely profound. You know, and you know, this is something I heard again at Kingdom at Work. If you want to be a kingdom business, you need to make sure Jesus is the king. Now that sounds so simple, but so profound. Because when we wake up every day, I know for me, when I wake up every day, the default king is myself. Yeah, you know, uh, in every decision for my health, for my body, what I eat, um, to to the decisions I make at church. 
You know, rarely am I thinking, wait a second, let me ask God about this, because he's the king. He is the boss. Is he the king of you he's first? He's the king of me first. Because you can't decisions. let his reign come out of you if he's not Absolutely. king of you. How about, is, is Jesus the king of your family? Do you yeah. treat your kids like they, are, they belong to the king, or do they belong to you? Do you treat your wife like, or your husband like yeah. they belong to the king, or are they things for you to, you know, or people for you to manipulate or whatever, to change or fix or whatever? Do they belong to the king? So, so now it becomes a deeply, deeply personal question that we have to examine. Now you go to your business. Now, I, I don't relate to the business side as much because I'm not, right. I don't have a big thriving business, but... But the church, sometimes I have to ask myself, it's like, wait, am I the pastor or, or is Jesus the, you know, is Jesus making these changes or am I making these changes, you know? No, that's good because even in ministry, you can get running, oh running ahead of the Lord just because you think, whoa, we're, we're running the church, so let's just take take charge, right? But it's like, no, 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 we're, he's in charge of his church. Yeah. What does he want to do? Absolutely. Uh, and, and how does he want me to do it? And when does he want me to do it? Yes. And, uh, such important heart posture that right. needs to happen. So, we're just we're very excited about this. We could tell from the response of just the number of people that watched the last podcast that this really struck a nerve with you. And I just want to say thank you to everybody who took the time to interact with the podcast to tell us what you're thinking, tell us how excited you are, uh, just to help you know give us some feedback. You know, our first market share is going to be on January the 9th, twenty twenty one, eight a.m. Uh, and again, basically the flow of this would be a time of some teaching, training, inspiration, uh, and then breaking into some small groups, processing what's been taking place. Of course, in the context of all that, having some great food and great fellowship, meeting people. And, and, uh, and w what I love is just the cross-pollination and, and the networking that takes place yeah. when we get all of our business owners and marketplace people together and you realize the way we can work together and collaborate to see blessing, to see profit, to see a greater market share, which is where this name comes from, uh, a market share not only in your own company, but a kingdom market share. We want the kingdom influence to spread and for King Jesus to, to be dominating the market of Northwest Indiana. Absolutely. And so that's part of what the vision, and, and basically this would be like a monthly gathering uh, so you could look forward to it, invite your friends out, uh, and really find uh, strength and encouragement and inspiration on these uh, monthly times together. Yeah, amen. amen. So anyway, I hope this has been helpful for, for you today, and I hope you've seen that just the connecting of the dots between why religious liberty is important, not just for me as a pastor, for us working in the church, but why it's important for you in the marketplace, because that is your ministry. That is where you have the right to share your faith, to bring your Bible to work, to, to, to share the gospel with other people, to pray for somebody in the marketplace. This is what our Constitution protects us. It gives us the liberty to do. It protects us from the government trying to shut us down or from secular governments trying to somehow tell us we need to leave Jesus at home. And, and I hope if you see it from a kingdom perspective, if you have to leave Jesus at home, your ministry just got shut down in the marketplace. And that, that's why at Living Stones, we have been some of the biggest voices and advocates for um, marketplace and for small business owners because we realize religious liberty is essential to who you are and to what you do. That's why we're always going to be fighting. We're going to be raising our voice. We're going to be seeking to protect those liberties wherever we can. Yeah. So anyway, I hope you all raised your dr drumsticks. I saw lots of cool pictures on, on uh, social media uh, over the holidays just as a sign of liberty and freedom. We're going to continue to 
to stand for that. And uh, certainly we rejoice this week, but you know what? The, the price of liberty is eternal vigilance. So we're going to be fighting and standing and watching and praying and working until Jesus comes. And we hope you'll join us in that. Yeah. Pastor Andrew, pray for us, will you? And we just want to bless you today in the marketplace. God wants to move. God wants to lead you. The Holy Spirit wants to work through you. There, You should have an expectation of fruitfulness every day in the marketplace and that the blessing of God and the favor of God would rest on your life and on what you say, everything that you set your hands to, that it would prosper today yeah. in Jesus' name. So let's yeah. pray. Yeah, Lord, in, this, in such uncertain time, Lord, um, your message of the gospel of the kingdom shines brighter than ever before. Lord, I just pray for all those who are watching this podcast and all those part of Livingstone's church, especially those who are in the marketplace or maybe own their own business, Lord, that they will proactively seek out, seek you to walk in the supernatural, to walk in your kingdom, Lord. Lord, when we're walking in your kingdom, Lord, we are not affected by, by what's going on on the outside. We're, we're walking into the supernatural, walking in your favor. Our job is to listen to you and obey, Father. So give us the disposition in our hearts to listen to your voice and obey, Lord. And we just believe that when we align ourselves with you, with your kingdom, you say your kingdom will never end. Your kingdom keeps going. Uh, your kingdom is everlasting. Your kingdom is the most powerful kingdom in the world because of Jesus Christ as the king. That when we align ourselves with the true reality of God's kingdom, there will be prosperity and there will be fulfillment and we will align ourselves with the creator of the yes. universe, Lord. Yes. And I pray, I pray that fulfillment for every single one of our marketplace people, business owners, those who might be struggling in the marketplace, uncertainty in the market, uncertainty in business, uncertainty with the COVID, the lockdown, all these different yeah. things, Lord. May we walk in peace and joy because we are in your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, last thing I'll share is this Sunday is going to have a lot of application. This new series called Our Tribe uh, is a whole series about the importance of culture. And that goes for whether it's, it's the culture inside of your own heart, the mm -hmm. culture that's inside of your marriage and family, the culture at work. Uh, this has wide application, the culture at church. Uh, the basic premise is this, we need to define who we are and we need to make sure that those culture points that we're living them out and, and incarnating them, uh, because when you have a healthy culture, you win. Good things happen. When you have a sick culture, it's toxic. Yeah. Bad things happen. And it's so critical that we create a culture where the Holy Spirit himself wants to come and feels at home hanging out with us. We're going to be talking about that this Sunday uh, at our services at Living Stones. That's at 8.30, 10 o'clock, and 11.30. Uh, you can watch us online as well. Go to our website at lstones.org and hit the media button there. It'll take you right to uh, our online experience. But we hope you'll tune in, and we hope it's a great encouragement to you. Have an incredible week. Hey, let's make sure we release the power of the Holy Spirit and the presence of the kingdom of God uh, in the marketplace this week. God bless you. We'll look forward to getting together with you next Thursday. All right, take care.